Hi guys, welcome to Jules and Phoebe, the bi-weekly pop culture and social commentary podcast brought to you by yours truly, Jules and Phoebe. Hello, Juliet, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm very well. So for our listeners, this is the first time since we started recording Jules and Phoebe that Jules and I are actually not in the same room as we are recording the podcast. We're embracing technology. (laughs) Finally. (laughs) We have had to adapt to the self-isolation kind of dictum that's been handed down from Boris. And so we are both recording in our separate houses. I think it'll be interesting to see how we get on because we spend so much of the recording session like reading one another's body language. I know, I know. And it would be great, guys, if you can share feedback on the sound quality. So we are going to be testing a few things out over the next couple of episodes, but we still want to make sure like our podcast is a high standard. So let us know your thoughts. Please do. I think we interrupt each other so much as it stands. So it'll be interesting to see if this gets any worse or better. How have you been finding self-isolation, Jules? So we started working from home officially on Monday. So it's day three now. So Mm -hmm. a few people, I mean, slowly and slowly, less and less people were coming into the office. But because I anticipate that there'll probably be a more serious like lockdown, I thought, you know, I might as well just carry on going to work for now. The last few days have been fine. (coughs) I personally find working from home a bit boring, but it's been okay. I feel like, and you and I touched on this before we started recording this evening, I have never been busier. The physical I'm busy, distance, but I'm less entertained. Oh, one hundred percent. There's no energy from people, so it's just constant work. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the only like walk around you're getting is what in various rooms of your house, and also there's no tea break. There's no going out for lunch. I am doing most of these things just in my home. So I'm feeling a little bit full of energy, but simultaneously exhausted because I don't think that I've ever been outputting quite so much work. (laughs) Yeah, I still went out for lunch. Oh, did you? That's nice. I think that it's important to do that. You probably all see so many tips on social media about how to create a routine and everything. Yeah, and I've been running as well. So I've still been hitting my steps, which I'm obsessed with. And (laughs) popped out today for some lunch. See, I feel like one of the habits that has developed for me is that now, because my husband and I are both home, he for half the week, but me obviously full time now, we're doing a thing where we'll have like a little drink after work. But obviously, after work would have once upon a time been like half past seven when we both got home. And now it's like, oh, five minutes past five. Are you (laughs) having a a drink or? (laughs) Oh, I started early today. So half past four. Should we have a drink? I... I am interested whatever makes it easier for you because I I find I'm with my husband as well so you need to spice up a bit (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) well at the beginning of our last episode I mentioned that I had or that we had finally booked our honeymoon tickets unfortunately that is clearly not going ahead now and I should have read the signs when you said it Jules because as soon as I mentioned that we had booked our flights you did say I hope you're able to go and I thought why wouldn't I be (laughs) nothing bad ever happens to me but we are postponing that now or delaying that until later on in the year. But that was a whole conversation with my husband where I just thought, oh, you know what? I don't know that. Are you are you in the right headspace to receive some news that may upset you? <laughs> what, in terms of not going? 
in terms of not going next week, which was when we were. Well, I can't to imagine. Be- I can't imagine that anybody would want to travel next week. Well, I think that you are correct in that because our fear was that, oh, what if we go to South Africa and we end up quarantined in a hotel in Cape Town? But our concern is the parameters around getting refunds because obviously airlines are losing money hand over fist. We've already been told by our insurance providers that because the word has been sent from on high that flights are restricted or ill-advised to certain areas, South Africa being one of them, they're not obligated to give us a refund if our flights do not go ahead. So we're relying now on the airlines themselves to either let us reschedule free of charge or give us our money back. Okay, you're definitely not getting your money back. Oh, God, Jules, please. You're definitely not. You're definitely not getting your money back. I can't imagine they would give you your money back. Oh, my God. Thank God I poured myself a glass of wine before we started recording this evening. Yeah, I, don't, I can't see that. Maybe, I mean, I, I doubt they would even let you reschedule it for free. Well, this is my fault. Yeah, but it's the airlines is a real shit show for them. So I don't think they're oh, going to do that. I mean, we're quite lucky because work are actually reimbursing fees for personal travel. You're joking. Yeah. Oh, my God. That is such a considerate thing to do. Yeah, up to £1,000. So nothing like crazy, but the fees for changing your flights up to £1,000. Tell me this, how are your cupboards looking? Are you bare? Are you stocked up? Are you a hoarder? <laughs> I'm not a hoarder, no, but my husband's very organised. Oh, so what? We're so... very well prepared. Oh, that is key. That is key. Honestly, I am a little bit of a hoarder. So we had plenty of things like toilet roll and soap, but I was ill-prepared I think for and this is the the level of concern that's been coming in for me at the moment has been things like well what are people going to decide is the most important thing next so should I stock up on salt just in case because there's no rhyme or reason for people stocking up on toilet roll and yet that is what people have stocked up on salt why would you stock up on that I don't know I was just cooking yesterday and I suddenly thought oh my god I've only got one box of salt what if I need more? <laughs> How long does a box usually last? You know what? If you ask my husband, not very long. I have my food very, very salty. Um, okay. But what if it's tonic water? What if it's... I, I'm trying to think of something that you actually couldn't live without. And there probably isn't anything except for water. Although I am down to my last four bottles of red wine. And obviously, as after work drinks are starting earlier and earlier each day, that could be an issue. Yeah, so maybe stuck up on that. But... Um... <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I've, no, I haven't like stocked up on huge amounts of things, but we're basically making sure we're a week ahead in our shop. Mm-hmm. Yes, is how we're trying to do it rather than shopping for six weeks. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that, the problem is that you have to rely on other people having that degree of sense as well. Oh, so you think that you're not going to have salt in a couple of weeks? In the, I, well, I in, think available that, anywhere? Yeah, well, so was toilet roll once upon a time. If I hadn't been sick, I think, the week before this took place, Charles had gone out and bought loads of, like, Panadol and ibuprofen and tissues because I was under the weather. And we have not been able to get tissues or painkillers anywhere so since. that's what you need, painkillers. That's what you need. You I actually, actually saw... Medication. I saw a terrible thing on Instagram just earlier on today where a woman I used to work with had put up a post that her 87-year-old granny was in a huge amount of pain, needed paracetamol because she couldn't take ibuprofen for her legs. 
and there was none to be found. And she was having to put up a post on social media to say, if anyone in X area can help us out, please let me know. Oh, because they couldn't get paracetamol anywhere? They couldn't get it anywhere. Yeah, really, really crazy. So that's, I think, the real issue. And in terms of corona, it's not really about you catching corona as a young person that doesn't smoke or have any other underlying health Mm -hmm. issues. You will probably be okay but it's the impact it's having on our infrastructure and just not being able to get access to things that you do need. And you don't want to catch it when everyone else does because the National Health Service is overwhelmed. Yes. And we've spoken a lot about the NHS in the UK anyway and how great a resource it is and how much it's been suffering from underfunding. We've been talking about this for months. You can listen to previous episodes, you guys. But it is so true that this is an institution that is only as good as it is because of the people who work for it, certainly not because of the government who keep cutting funding from it again and again and again. And you're right. It's beautiful to see. I know we have a lot of international listeners, but a lot of organisations in the UK are offering subsidised or free food and drink to NHS workers if they come in and show their badge, which is a yeah. really, I think, lovely. Better doing that. Yeah, which, which is very, very cool. I always like Pratt. Pratt, yeah, if you want to sponsor this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would actually be nice. But I think, no, I think that was such a nice gesture. And I, I just hope, I don't know, I just want our attitude to kind of change around the NHS and just realise how important it is to have a well-funded health service. And yeah, hopefully they can get the raise and get the, the support and just everything that they need. Especially at a time like this. What is so funny watching the US coverage, right? And the doctor on Trump's team is like, it's really up to the community to step in and like be supportive, like self-isolate, take care of your elderly neighbours. And, you know, if we do that well, we can fight the coronavirus and there'll be no need to worry about ventilation masks or anything like that, which is what the lady said. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, wow, you know, I just hate, when they give government a pass and act like we can solve this problem no you need public health you need a national health service you need the structural institutions in place that take care of people you need those structural institutions as well and part of the reason that they are so important is because the people who end up slipping between the cracks are the people who cannot afford private health insurance are the people who are maybe living paycheck to paycheck and are on maybe an hourly wage. And so by virtue of being in a more difficult financial situation, are going to keep coming to work even when they're sick because you don't have any kind of infrastructure to protect those people in place. So they're going to keep infecting more people because you just won't pay them a living wage. Yeah, and I feel so privileged at a time like this in the sense that A, I can work from home Mm-hmm. I have a loan or a bursary or a budget from work to set up my home office. That's amazing. A budget if I need to change my personal travel. There's no impact on my income, mm-hmm. none. And so you realize there are a lot of people that are vulnerable. Like if you're on a zero hour contract, you're probably not getting hours. You sure. know, there's Uber drivers, all these people that are basically like exposed. And so. Yeah, just hope that we can see the back of this really soon because it's going to have a really huge impact on a lot of people. Absolutely. Like I think for us, it's really minimal. Like, we're young. 
and we're able to work from home, right? We can self-isolate. Not everybody has that privilege. For sure. Although I would say, and I, I know I've mentioned this before in previous episodes, so my husband is a hairdresser. And a lot of, if not all of the shoots that he's been set to work on have been cancelled or indefinitely postponed in the same way that he is incredibly quiet because people are not willing to risk necessarily coming into central London to get their hair cut. But in that same way, we are so fortunate that I do have a steady wage, which, as you said, I can work from home and it is not hugely impacted. If anything, I'm doing more work because there's no one to have a tea break with me except for my husband. And he has no good gossip. So <laughs> I'm I'm ending up calling time on these things quite quickly. So yeah, um, but the fact that there's two of you is again a really good situation. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and, and also, and I got to bring up all that stuff around like people's mental health. So I'm trying to like stay active mm-hmm. while I can. I'll still pop out. I'll still make sure I hit my steps, and that's just a part of me physically staying active and helps me mentally. But there's a lot that's going to happen around just people being lonely absolutely and people are probably legitimately and justifiably worried about the vulnerable members of their family who maybe need an extra checking in on and they are physically unable to do that for them at this point in time but I think if this can remind us all how important it is to check in on people and to have catch-up calls and we're all so guilty of doing things like oh I must call that person tomorrow or, oh yeah, I'll message them back shortly. This is the time that you can see people all having their group coffees because suddenly there's a novelty with associating, oh, listen, I'll Skype you at X time and we can have a coffee together, but we won't be together. And aren't we so fortunate that something like this has happened when we have the technology to support us in still being in touch with people if we want to and need to be? Exactly. So, I mean, I think that's great advice, guys. Like, use this as an opportunity to still try and stay connected with your loved ones, check in on people. Some people are more anxious than others, you know, just try and lean on each other at this time. Absolutely. It was so funny. I was watching Boris Johnson's dad on some British show, and he was like, if I want to go to the pub, I'm going to go to the pub. Like, no one's going to stop me. Yeah. Did you see that? I saw that, unfortunately. I mean... And then they were like, but why would you need to go to the pub? (laughs) Like, that's not the advice your son's giving. And yeah, you're always going to have people that just do whatever they want. But let's try and take this seriously, guys. Let's try and take this seriously. Also, I think for those of us who are based in cities, I know that this won't hold true for everyone. But for those of us who are based in cities, certainly for myself, I don't have a super long commute to work. But I've just gotten almost two hours back of my day because I'm not traveling in and out of central London. Okay, I get it. You're living your best life. I'm living my best life. No, I'm I'm definitely not. However, my husband did paint the downstairs toilet, which is something that we've probably been talking about for about nine months. So that's been done since Monday, just because we have got fuck all else to be doing. So you yeah. know what, guys? Real life admin. <laughs> Real life admin. We talk about how much we love life admin on this podcast quite a lot. And this is a real life example of that. When do we talk about loving life admin? Oh, I'm sure that we've touched on it more than one occasion. Just like in terms of life admin. You don't love life. You've talked to me about how much you love Amazon for doing your food shopping and everything like that because it's just you're on top of it. You don't have to think about it. Oh, I don't love 
life admin. I mean, it, I, I have ways in which I make sure I get my stuff done, but I'm not like a fan of life admin. Oh, I think I'm a fan of life admin when I'm on top of life admin, if that makes sense. And because yeah. I'm usually on top of life admin, I find that I love life admin. Yeah, no, but I think it is a great time to actually get those things done that you wouldn't necessarily get done. But yeah, I'm tired of the coronavirus chat. Let's just all try and stay healthy. I did want to follow up on our last episode, Love is Blind, and some of the feedback that we got. So yes. I was saying on the podcast how I don't have an African friend who doesn't want children. Mm-hmm. And then one of my friends who wants to remain anonymous, so clearly <laughs> doesn't want to advertise, but she's like, oh, I don't want children. Um, oh, really? Yeah, so then we were having a chat, and so I think the conclusion we came to was that, of course, there are people from an African background that don't want to have children, but it's still a bit of a taboo. It's not something that people would, like, advertise. It's not like a regular conversation that people have. Yes, and, and I think... why it's never something... I've never discussed that with her or any of, like, it's never come up. None of my friends have said, I don't want to have kids. But she was like, I don't want children. I was like, you know, girl. She's like, I don't want the responsibility. I was like, okay. (laughs) Well, I should couch this by saying, and actually I can't believe I forgot to say it to you before. As of about 3 a.m. today, I am for the first time in my life an auntie. So my husband's brother and his wife welcomed their little baby boy. Oh, that's lovely which is lovely news in the midst of all of the sadness that is going on. So as I said, I'm having a glass of wine while we record this podcast and wetting the baby's head, as it were. But I think that sometimes for those of us who have maybe struggled with having children, not having children and all of the emotional conversations that take place around that, what you can find is that after you say, oh, I'm, I'm just not that sure, what invariably descends, or even if you were confident enough to say, oh, no, I don't want children, full stop, what invariably descends is a bit of an awkward silence. Now, sometimes I think you can be lucky enough to say that to someone who's like, yeah, good for you. Why would you do it if you're not sure? But sometimes the attitude, a lot of the times, the attitude is, oh, my God, this person is obviously incredibly selfish. At which point you are left on the kind of back foot to be like, oh, by the way, I'm uh, I'm not a dickhead. Um, no, I mean, I of course, to... it's selfish, but it's okay to be selfish. Like, why would you have kids if you don't want to? Well, I also think that the idea that it's selfish to not have children is interesting when you juxtapose it with the idea that sometimes having children is one of the most selfish things that you can do in terms of the resources that it puts on the economy, you know. The it's... economy? Well, it, Childbirth, it's... Childbirth, creating a population. Well, creating someone who's a drain on society until they're what like 18 let's be honest but also yeah, like landfills put, are... that into, put that into a context because i don't think that there's an issue around people having children that are drained well i but i do think that one of the most compelling arguments against having children is that obviously from a climate change perspective having children is not good when we talk about nappies landfills waste that comes from babies is exponentially higher than consumption because in populations where people have a lot of children and you look at the energy consumption they actually Mm. have some of the lowest energy consumption so people typically have more children in the developing world and that's not where all the energy consumption is happening it's actually in the developed world so when population as an argument i'm very skeptical about that because it's not accurate when we look at the energy consumption. But it is accurate when we look at then people in the quote-unquote developed world. 
because yeah, I mean, but it's I know that because we don't as, have a population issue in the UK, we don't have one in the US, but people have vehicles that are not sustainable and live lifestyles that are not sustainable. Oh, yeah, for sure. But I think that a lot of the time, like, I mean, certainly based on where I live, and this is anecdotal evidence, but when you see people driving to school in like four wheeled drives, and there's like one kid in the back seat, and you're thinking, oh, my goodness, I don't know that a car that size was required. Absolutely. Absolutely. And those are those are lifestyle choices. I think it's just a bit more of like a complex discussion around the climate side. The reason why I say it's selfish is because typically, when people give a reason for not having children, it's a selfish reason in the sense of my holidays, I don't want the responsibility. And I think it's okay. (laughs) I think it's fine to design a life that suits you. Like, I don't see why you should have children if you don't want to. I think it's selfless. You're like, I want to have kids because of climate change. Great. But it's not the stuff that women in the loos at work talk about. Like, they're not talking about climate change. They're just like, can't really afford it in terms of it will disrupt my lifestyle. Mm. Yeah, yeah. okay it's 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 completely fine like I are you saying that you feel that that people judge that oh I think that people definitely judge that like I think that even though you're using the word selfish and you're using it with the couching on either side of being like and that's okay to be selfish like at times you are permitted you're permitted to be selfish about the life you want to live selfish is still not a nice word do you know what I mean regardless of Oh, I, I don't know what the right word is unless there's no word at all. And it's just like, oh, they just didn't want to have children. Because I think that what is not okay is that when you see children treated as a kind of a sense of obligation, like thought I had, thought I better have one. But like that that child in that situation is not something that someone is genuinely excited about. And I remember someone saying to me before, and I do think it is so true, if you are not 100% like, yes, I would love to have children, then perhaps having children isn't for you because you would question yourself more about, say, a £5,000 purchase. You'd be like, do I really want it? Do I really need it? And to do that with something as significant as a child and be like, do I really want it? And so be like, yes, is maybe being a bit lackadaisical about the gravity of that situation and this responsibility for another human life. Mm, perhaps. I also just think that people's approach and what they want, these things change over time. And sometimes people think, oh, I do not want children. And they meet the right person or something changes in their life certain stage and they're like I do and so yeah I just don't think it's something that's as black and white like I'm not somebody I don't like get super excited around children like I'm not like oh my god you know I'm not that really person. <laughs> no, I'm not that person but I still like children so yeah I just think there is a middle ground and it's, it's it's just not like, oh, when I, since I was young, I always wanted kids and I, you know, playing with the dolls and playing pretend mom. Like, yeah, I mean, who lived that life? Do you know what? Um, I think my youngest sister has been born to be a mom since like day dot. And I don't know if I've told you this before. When I was home recently, we were traveling in the car together and she obviously of my sisters and I, I have two sisters and I'm very, very close with them both. And I actually, I love them, but I also really like them. They're cool people to be around. But when my sister and I were driving, she, as I guess the only married sister, she's pinning her hopes on being an auntie 
on me for the foreseeable yeah. future. And she kind of said, you know, I, I, I never want to ask you if you're pregnant because I want, when you tell me, I want it to be a surprise. And I was like, oh God, I have to be so honest with you right now. Like it will never be a surprise. I think that if Charles and I decide to have children, it will have been an ongoing discussion. It will be like an evaluation just because I'm not sure, like I'm the bigger earner in my relationship and so on and so forth. And I said, and realistically, if we had children, we would probably only have one. And my sister said to me, oh my God, if you're only going to have one, don't bother. And I was like... (laughs) And I was like, okie dokie, I feel like that might be some uh, 24-year-old's mentality there, because actually one is quite enough, one is loads. I feel like if you're going to have one, what's the point? Oh my god, stop, okay, I'm going to have to send you my sister's number. (laughs) I just, literally, I don't get, I don't understand, what is the point? I know some really cool kids, like friends of mine and relatives of mine who have got kids, and their kids are really cool. And I've said to my Really husband, cool what? Really cool only children? No, no, no. Just really cool children, full stop. Oh. Like whether they've got siblings or they're, or they're only children or whatever. Although I do know a couple of really cool only children. Like, I mean, they're still kids. They're not like, I'm not talking about my peers here. I'm talking about an eight-year-old or a nine-year-old or however old these relative children are. And I've said to my husband when we leave, like, God, like... I'd love to have a kid like that who's just really kind of funny but not precocious or good fun. And obviously so much of that is down to the raising of that child. And Charles and I are always like, oh, not entirely confident that we would pull off having a child who's just cool like that because neither myself or Charles are cool. So, (laughs) yeah, I think it's good to have more than one because you have to hedge. You can't Mm. guarantee what will happen. Yeah, <laughs> so you have two chances of making know, a cool be, child. Of making a cool child, yeah. You have to hedge. Like you can't put all your hopes and dreams on one child. <laughs> okay, that's way too much pressure. So, do you think that you were your mum's cool child? I don't know. I wouldn't say. Like, I think I used to be a lot cooler than I am. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not the cool. Uh, I used to be a lot cooler than I am. Like when I was younger, I would say I was a lot cooler than I am. Cool might not be the word. I was always popular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would say that I was cool, I guess, because I was, yeah, I was cool enough. I don't know. <laughs> um, I was cool enough to be like, to hang out with cool people and be invited to cool yeah. things. But I mean, when I think about kids, cool is not my... <laughs> oh, cool, cool. I want a yeah, child, cool but is, I'm like... Cool, is, cool doesn't pay the bills. So it's not my top priority. Yeah, but you want a child that's like good to be around. Yeah, good to be around. Interesting. You know, those things are important. They can perhaps help pay the bills. (laughs) Listeners, (laughs) if you've got children, let us know if your children are cool. And (laughs) don't let me know if your children aren't cool because it will really upset me. But but do let me know their parents like your the parents shape shape that child so yeah yeah if you yourself are not cool but you've managed to have a cool kid I'd love to know about that <laughs> yeah so maybe you can help out Phoebe in the future yeah 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 exactly longer term further down the road you could maybe give me some pointers but what did you did you get any feedback from that episode that you want to share 
Do you know what? I got actually really lovely feedback from some older people in my life, one of whom was my mum, who listened, I think, to the episode, but also saw some of the stuff that we were posting on social media about it and basically took the opportunity to say, I would never want you to feel that there's pressure for grandchildren from my side, which is something that she has taken the opportunity to say to me before. And I think that that is a small thing and a huge thing simultaneously, because a lot of the time, as we touched on in the last episode, there is that expectation of, well, procreate. What else are you doing, basically? Hanging out. Hanging out. Painting Watching the bathroom. Um, painting the bathroom, doing the floor. But my mum has always been like, you know what, I would never want you to feel feel that way, that there is any external pressure coming from us And also, you know, it's an incredibly personal decision. And she doubled down on that. She said, you know, I have friends who didn't have children and who still had very rich and interesting lives. It's not one of those things that you should do it because somebody else says that you should do it. And actually, then I got two lovely messages on, again, social media from people I know who were very interested in the the podcast episode, um, one of whom is someone I went to university with for a little while when I studied creative writing. A little tidbit about my life there for you listeners. But a woman named Mona who shared with me a story about, you know, it can so often be a part of our five-year plans. And I think that that is something that pertains so much of the time to millennials, women, men of our generation who are constantly being like, okay, well, I'll do my undergrad and then maybe I'll do a master's and then I'll go and work here for a couple of years and then I'll do this and da 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 And everything always has to be so planned out. And she shared a lovely anecdote with me about she and her husband signing up to adopt a baby at the same time that they were opening a restaurant, having been told that the waiting list for adoption was three to five years. So in her mind, enough time for the restaurant to be well established. And then a call came that the baby was available. And she said, oh, no, thank you. We're opening a restaurant in three months. And her husband responded to the separate phone call saying, yeah, absolutely perfect. We'll take her. And now their adopted child is 17 years old. And, you know, she basically shared this idea of at 29, she felt that she was in no way ready. It wasn't a good time. It didn't fit with the plan. And sometimes life I mean, all of the time, basically, life does not roll with the plans. And you have to then look to roll with life and the punches and acknowledge the fact that "Mm, I didn't intend for this to be the case. But here we are. And I'm going to make the best of it. Yeah, for sure. That's so funny how you could be offered a baby and you're like, oh, no, opening a restaurant. (laughs) But I, I read that and I thought, oh, that's me. I'd be like, oh, no, God, um because we've already said we're doing this so yeah that, I think life work yeah. yeah but life just doesn't work like that and her partner's like yeah great that's so, <laughs> yeah. so funny I know but yeah I think people just think they have more control over their lives than they do mm-hmm. luckily with children typically you do have a choice around that right so it's not that you have to have them but you have to leave room in your life to just embrace things that are going to happen in your life absolutely and you know what I mean so the roller coaster of that I mean hello as I said earlier on this episode I waited 18 months to book my fucking honeymoon and two weeks later a global pandemic was announced yeah you just don't know what's around the corner like that's life Um, that's life you think you're in control but you are not yeah 
I think just regarding kids, like if you have a partner, then you can sit down, you have a choice, you know, discuss, it's a bit different. There are people who are a bit older and a bit concerned that maybe they won't meet that partner, but they do want to have kids. And it's very, very sensitive and it's very, very stressful. Mm-hmm. And I always say to people, that friends of mine who are in that position where they're kind of like worried, like, am I going to meet that person? Am I going to be able to have a family because they do want to have a family? Like, yeah, with life, you just don't know. Like, it could just be around the corner. Like, you just don't know. So you have to, like, still be optimistic and still focus on yourself and have a full life yourself, you know? Yeah, and absolutely. All of those things that you want do happen. 100%, 100%. But sharing anecdotes like that from both of our sides just gives us an opportunity to reiterate again to everyone who's listening that we absolutely love when you guys share stuff like that with us. We had more stories as well, and it prompted more conversations, I think, in different group chats and with different friends and different listeners. But that feedback is really lovely to hear because I think sometimes Juliet and I are obviously good friends and we align with so many things, but there's going to be that contrast sometimes. And hearing the the various shades of grey that take place between the black and white it's just so interesting yeah it's it's super interesting I learned a lot you know when people are reaching out you know I don't want kids I don't want kids it was like (laughs) people like sort of tearing off their bras and like burning them (laughs) so um, no that was a really cool discussion but speaking about like just embracing life Mm-hmm. Tell me. Megan and Harry's glow up for their farewell tour. Oh my lot. god. That was you... actually very emotional. I loved it. I loved yeah. it. I read a tweet which I absolutely haven't stopped thinking about where someone was like, Wow, she really said drip or drown on this farewell tour. I absolutely could not have rang more true. Someone called but it. They the, looked you... happy. They, they looked happy. She looked great. Yeah. Yeah, she looks stunning. And they looked um, at, it was like a rewind back to their engagement. Like, that's how mm-hmm. happy they looked. We've spoken before on this podcast about, like, finding your tribe, knowing, you know, knowing who you align with, knowing who aligns with you, all of that kind of stuff. And the power that comes from really just saying, listen, I know what's right for me. And as you said, when they showed up glowing in London you've already won you've already won before the the pictures are good because you know that you are living the life that's meant for you which is enriching and positive where you've removed yourself as much as possible from the negativity that surrounds you and you're just taking a breather yeah and I was at dinner with a friend and her partner was like oh but Megan thinks she knows everything or like some blah 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 like oh you know basically the argument was if she knew everything, she wouldn't have a, a bad relationship with her family, right? And my point was, to be honest, it's not about, oh, I know everything. It's about, you know, it really takes a lot of courage to set boundaries. Mm. It takes a lot of courage to set boundaries in general. And I think it takes a lot of courage to set boundaries with family. And people do tend to focus on Megan a lot, but she'd already done the work. You know, if you look yeah. at the way her family have behaved, her father and her stepsister or half-sister, if you look at how they've behaved, not the most nurturing and supportive family members. So she's already done the work that she needs to kind of separate herself from that and focus on the family members that nourish her, i.e. her mom. That's the family member that we see by her side. Mm-hmm. But I think about Harry and I think about, you know, wow, like 
some people get married and they're still not able to set that boundary and they have kids and they still can't set that boundary yes and I just commend them for being able to to set those boundaries and we never know what's going on in people's personal life but they definitely look more relaxed than they did a few months ago I agree. And I think as well, people can talk with a degree of flippancy, as you've just touched on there about, oh, you know, she thinks she knows everything, blah, blah, blah. And we think of things in very kind of binary terms of like, oh, well, you know, you marry someone. So that's just it and get on with it. In our, I think, very first episode, we talked about navigating life as married women. And I touched on the fact that you know, very shortly after my husband and I got married, I found out that several members of his family had been talking about the fact that they felt I had pressured him into a wedding that he didn't want and that there was something kind of manipulative about my own behaviour, that he was being coerced into a life and a relationship that had been second place to his real desires. And you hear those kind of things and we've all read and heard like whispers of what's gone on with the royal family and Meghan and how they've behaved towards her. But I think that you really can't underestimate the amount of anxiety that you feel in a situation like that when you're encountering someone or someone's multiple people that you know have been speaking about you and have that you know have been speaking about you disparagingly and doing that relentlessly day in day out when some of these people might have been sharing headlines with the fucking daily mirror about you to even show up at all for the farewell tour is magnanimous beyond belief and I don't know if you watched the clips of her on the day of the, the Commonwealth, I'm going to call it mass and it's not, but the Commonwealth ceremony where she and Harry were sitting beside Andrew and Sophie and Megan said hello to Kate and William when they came in and neither of them acknowledged her. And I just thought, you know what? Everyone who's commenting being like, oh, well, get over it. That's just life. You know, you married into the crown. You could not be ignored in such a public setting and still have such a smile on your face. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Like, you could not walk a day in those shoes. Like, I can't be ignored by my colleagues and Coke. Like, it'll take me, <laughs> 20, take me like 24 right? hours to, to get over that. So, uh, absolutely not. And so that's why I'm like, I commend them because you can't make everybody happy. Yeah. People will never be happy. People always want more. They'll never be happy, especially, you know, in that context, right? So, yeah, I really do commend them for that. I commend myself, actually, because I've done a lot of boundary setting. <laughs> That's it. Like, I commend myself. Like, it, it's so good. It's not an enjoyable or an easy thing to do. I mean, I don't want to become a podcast that's just, like, unnecessary blowing smoke up Meghan Markle's arse. I adore her. But I will say this, I wish she'd stop wearing strapless bras. They don't work with the silhouette of fashion that she's wearing. I've said my piece. If her people want to get in touch with my people, I've got nothing further to offer. Can't even offer any recommendations. But I just always notice that she's wearing strapless bras and the line of them cuts in an inesthetically pleasing way into the beautiful dresses that she wears. But Okay, I have not noticed that because her silhouettes have looked stunning to me. Stunning. that red dress green dress the red dress was so good the red dress was so good my god i thought no issues no floor not on that dress at all the green dress unfortunately you could see the lining of the strapless bra that she was wearing in the same way that you could see in one of her previous pay phoebe 
for this. <laughs> Mate, I know, <laughs> I know. I just love it. it. One of my favorite websites, guys, I, I don't know if you are familiar with this, but one of my favorite websites from just like a real fluffy but informative read is go fug yourself f-u-g and the two writers for that are copywriters i think more generally speaking within the fashion industry but they write about fashion in such a compelling and funny and interesting way and they've got such a nuanced take about them they are actually one of the i don't know if you remember this jules it's such a segue but do you know olivia munn the actress no Okay, well, basically, she wrote a really stupid takedown of the women who write for Go Fuck Yourself being like, you're tearing down other women. But actually, they're one of the few celebrity websites. And again, I've spoken about how much I love celebrity gossip. But they're one of the few celebrity websites which really write about what women wear, but in a way that doesn't just reduce them down to what they're wearing. They write about oh I love these ruffles so interesting like blah blah blah. anyway if you're not into fashion you won't be interested in it but if any of our listeners are and enjoy looking at what people are wearing to various events they do such fantastic writing and they're also just fantastic writers in general I think if they wrote death notices I would probably end up reading them and as we again adjust to working from home or self-isolating it may be somewhere that you enjoy spending a few hours going down the rabbit hole. You might check them out. I need to find ways to entertain myself because it's dark times as far as entertainment is concerned. What did I watch that was interesting? The new season of Dirty Money on Netflix is so good. Did you watch any of that on Netflix? No, I have to tell you, like, I... So we don't have a television. We don't really watch TV at home anyway. We will occasionally watch things on Netflix. But as of this week... Uh, this is so embarrassing. My mum has changed her Netflix password. And when I called my dad to be like, hey, we can't get into Netflix. I don't know what's wrong. My dad was literally like, I'll tell you what's wrong. My fully grown daughter and her husband are fucking spongers trying to use (laughs) her parents' Netflix account. So I was like, oh my God, I'm too mortified now to be like, yeah, but do you think you could reset the password again? So we currently have nothing except for Amazon Prime, which as much as I love Amazon Prime are not that great. So anyway, please tell me about Dirty Money. Okay, so this is excellent. It's basically like, it's a series of documentaries just all about different types of fraud. So you have the last season was like the HSB fraud. So all around the money laundering that HSBC was doing. Then they had an episode on Trump, really good, just like how he made his name and stuff. And so this season was very, very, very good. Like I really loved the Wells Fargo episode. And what's interesting, I don't know if you followed that stuff about Wells Fargo. I feel like I probably absorbed a level of it. Okay, but anyway, essentially with Wells Fargo, they went from being like the American sweetheart of banks to all of the stuff that they were doing. They were really predatory in a lot of the stuff that they were doing, and it all just got exposed. So that the Wells Fargo one goes into it. But the one that really touched me was the one about guardians. In the US, you have this thing where old people can become wards of the state. Oh, right. Okay. Right. And it can be triggered at any point. So for example, this one guy, he was saving a lot of cash in his house. And then he bought like a vintage Mustang for like 100 grand in cash. And this guy's a multimillionaire, by the way, bought a Mustang for 100 grand in cash. And then he bought a home for like nearly a million in cash. Jesus, what? Yeah, yeah. the bank were like, oh, this is a bit weird. Like what's going on? 
And so they basically triggered an um, inquiry. So they, it's like a social services, but for old people. And they wanted to make sure that he wasn't being taken advantage of by his partner, like his long-term partner, like he's with this woman for like seven years. Very, very happy. And they were just like, oh, we just want to make sure he's not being taken advantage of in any way, blah, blah, blah. Jesus. But the way it works is this guardian... I'm so nervous. No, you need to watch it. This guardian stuff is for profit, right? So lawyers get involved, doctors get involved, people get involved, and essentially they can build a case and say that you don't have the capacity to take care of yourself. When they do that, they take over your estate. Wow. And they can also take over your person and put you into assisted living. Oh, my God. Is that what they did with this man? Yeah. So they put him into assisted living. His girlfriend and her family, they're trying to fight. Stop. Or this guardian has come in. It's very, 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 very sad because we're in tune with, like, child abuse. We know what child abuse is. Yeah. About the elderly being abused. And I even think with this I'm invested thing, I, with this man. Who I'm like, my friend, my gosh, you his girlfriend his, couldn't... Jesus. Yeah, you have, to, you have to watch it. So what happened is when they were in the court doing his case, they were like, oh, we'd prefer a member of the family to be his guardian. And then some granddaughter from some uncle that he doesn't even speak to was in the courtroom and was like, I'm a family member. And they gave her guardianship over him. What? And, it, she didn't have to offer any proof at all? No, but she is actually a long distance. Oh, like, wow. We all have those relatives that we don't even speak to, but then they show up because you're a multimillionaire. They want to be your guardian. They own you now. That is true. As a segue, when my granddad was dying, he was fortunate, and I mean this genuinely, to be passing away at home. And I have to be careful of how I word this in case the wrong people hear it. But you had that trail of people who wanted to come and sympathise, but who couldn't have been bothered when he was alive. And I think there was a thing where there was a particular knock that people would do on the door, like as in my aunts and uncles would do on the door of the bedroom so that he could pretend to be asleep if it were people who were totally fake. Um, yeah. He wouldn't have bothered when he was very much so well. So I can so imagine, yeah, similar different. to that. Like you say, yeah, he was very fortunate to have like family members around. But what's happening is you have elderly people who have the capacity to take care of themselves but for some reason there's like an area of vulnerability like one guy was like I didn't get married I don't have kids and he's by himself his mother died and then he fell into a depression so he wasn't maintaining his property and the neighbors started reporting saying that the property was like not being taken care of right and then he'd go to the bank to kind of see if he can get someone to come and do the work or get a loan for the work or whatever he went to the bank to do boom triggered and he's in the system his guardian sold his five properties and put him in an assisted living home. <gasps> the guy's penniless now. He went from having five properties. The guardian came, swoop, sold everything. Because when you when you have power of attorney, it's very powerful. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's very, very intense. And it's something I'd never heard of. So when I watched this, I was like, oh, my goodness. I know that we yeah. have American listeners. I'm 50 years away from that. Like, I need to get my shit to get the... No, Jules, I don't, I feel like things like that happen so much in the States because there are so few things to protect the individual, to protect the consumer. Now, we've got a lot of American listeners, strangely enough, but I'd love to hear your feedback on that. Is that something that you guys live in a lot of consciousness of? And I know that from previous episodes, you guys have gotten in touch to tell us that actually it varies so much on a state-to-state basis that you tend not to think about it in a macro sense but 
Is that guardianship something that you're aware of? Surely that must be something that you'd be so afraid of, not only for yourself, but for any anyone elderly that you know and are related to. You need to watch Dirty Money Season 2. The payday lending one is just oh, no. mad. Madness. Madness. So right, I'm going to have yeah, to get in I mean, touch with my dad, ask him for the password. <laughs> yeah, you have to. But the thing is, I think when people think about fraud or like racketeering, people don't realise that white collar crime does have real victims. Mm-hmm. Like there are real victims, right? So that whole guardian stuff, it's not really seen as criminal. It's actually seen as civil. So it's not even really seen as criminal if a guardian behaves in this way in the US. Like the laws do need to change. And even when you think about payday loans, people don't realize it ruins people. It has real victims. So I watched that. I would I would recommend that. That's my thing, guys. I think you should watch it and let me know what you think. Because I love politics. So it's a combination of like politics, social issues, Netflix. Do you have anything upbeat that you ever watch? And I don't mean that as disparaging as it sounds. I mean that you are, as one of my closest friends, you are someone who is always learning with everything you read and everything you watch. You're always like, oh my gosh, so interesting from a political standpoint. And sometimes I listen to you talk about things that you're watching or reading. I think, oh my God, does she ever just watch the Kardashians? What is your, no, what is your that, Kardashian equivalent? Sometimes I watch Real Housewives. I do watch stuff that's like not politics. No, no, I just mean like, do you have also the other end of the spectrum as a recommendation to be like, okay, this is definitely something that you're going to learn something about the world and have an additional insight into after watching it. Here's something that I watched just for pure, absolute fluff. No, forget that. There's a book I'm reading now. (laughs) It's called... No, this is this book, right? It's called Inferior. Mm-hmm. How Science Got Women Wrong. Oh, and I'm already in. I love it. Have you read it? Have you read this book? No, but I love that title. How interesting. Oh, it's really, really good by Angela Saini. Okay. And it's a really good book because it's basically just kind of deconstructs like all the science around like sexism and patriarchy. Apparently she's got a new book that I need to check out. But I started reading this book and I was like, wow, like it's so interesting. I also downloaded the Sally Rooney book, Conversations with Friends. Is that what it's called? Oh, my God. Have you, have you read that book? Yes, I am. I haven't read it. I haven't read it yet. So I thought that could be a bit of fun. She has currently written two books. Sally Rooney's written Conversations normal with people. Friends and Normal People. Have you read Normal People? Yeah, I love Normal People. I think that normal people is the better of the two, but I've spoken to other people who think that conversations with friends is the better of the two. For anyone who hasn't read either of them, they are some of the most compellingly written, dialogue-wise, I think, books of our generation, because Sally Rooney is 28, I think, maybe 29. So she is of the median age of a lot of our listeners, based on mine and Juliet's circle of friends and the people who listen to this. But normal people, I absolutely adored. Yeah, conversations. Normal people with was epic. Yeah. Epic! Oh my goodness! Like, I read it in like one day. I was obsessed. Same, and I lay in bed, which happens less and less frequently. I think as you get older, when you finish a book and you lie in bed awake, literally being like, "Oh my god, I can't believe I finished that." There's only a handful of books I felt that way about in my life. Charlotte's Web was one of them when I was about nine. <laughs> And 
normal people by Sally Rooney is 100% one of the others. And I loved conversations with friends as well. But just as a real sucker punch, like a real gut punch, normal people was far and away my favourite. Yeah, so I thought I would check that out. As a bit of something lighthearted, I'm really into like lighthearted stuff. And maybe I'm into other things a bit more. I think also, though, to be fair to Sally Rooney for me is if you were going to say I'm into lighthearted, I'd be like, oh, Jilly Cooper. <laughs> no, I don't go that far. Like, I'm not into that kind of stuff. I feel like Sally Rooney's pretty lighthearted. It's fiction. You know, it's not. Um... Right. So some people, I think, have a real hard fiction, nonfiction divide, whereas I struggle, I think, a lot of the time to read nonfiction. I don't treat it as much of a pleasure as I do for fiction. So for me, my fiction scale has shades of grey where some is fluff and some is not because I'll genuinely in a lot of pain reading it. No, I'm not saying just because it's fiction, it's lighthearted. Because mm. there are some lighthearted nonfiction books. But I do find her lighthearted. Like, I find it something that I can read into and just like escape into mm-hmm. rather than read it and it's like facts, you know. So that's well, why I like reading fiction. One just fantastic book I've yeah. been reading at the moment that I think that you will like and I think that maybe some of our readers will like because we don't know how much longer this quarantine will go on for it. One of my dearest loveliest friends who you and I have spoken about before on the podcast gave me a book just before Christmas called A Little Life and it's by Hanya Yanagihara and I'm only about a third of the way through it at the moment but it is again super beautifully written so I will include that in the show notes along with Dirty Money and along with Sally Rooney's books in case anybody is looking for ways to kill time during this I am isolation period well then I think everyone's submissions are very very welcome actually excuse me just while I think of that to circle back to a conversation that we were having off the back of the last podcast Jules I need to find the message now from my sister but there was a fantastic book that I touched on and recommended to you and I couldn't remember the name of it and I messaged my sister it was called Drunk Tank Pink which had a really fascinating anecdote, which I think I touched on in our last episode, talking about how much social media and technology has changed our attitude to raising children. This is a huge jump back, but I just remembered that my sister had sent it to me. And in the particular excerpt of the book that my sister had sent me, which really resonated with me, was talking about how now, oftentimes, when you see a woman breastfeeding, she will be scrolling through her phone because we often refer to our phone as an easy way to spend time and an easy distraction, whereas the child will still be staring at the mother's face because this is such a bonding exercise for the child. We, as a society, now have changed the premise of that bonding exercise where now we do not look at the child in the same way. How many women have you seen breastfeed and they're just looking at their phone? Oh, like, I mean, this is not a sweeping generalization. But what I mean is that once upon a time when we wouldn't have had anything else to do, it's now become when we as a society have a distraction or something that we need to kill time, whether we're waiting for a bus or 
doing whatever, the invariable kind of social crutch is to take out your phone. But I think that you'll really enjoy the book. It's called, as I said, Drunk Tank Pink, and discusses that amongst other elements, just talking about our social media exposure and our technology exposure and how we'll continue to absorb that into our day-to-day lives. We need to pick a book and then like read the book and then like discuss the book. (laughs) Yeah. Would you like like, a podcast and a book club? Yeah, guys, if you've got a virtual book club, I'm happy to join. I do like reading. So if anyone's doing that, because I think the lockdown will get quite serious. Yes, that's true. Maybe longer term we need to have it. It'll be like a Richard and Judy book club, but less chick lit. I don't know. I'm not into Richard. Please, my book club, people need to bring ideas. (laughs) My book club, like... Well, I didn't want to say, I didn't want to say Oprah, like, let's be chill about this, we're not going to be an Oprah book club. It's quite fluffy. Yeah, no, exactly. They are good books, but it's not. I actually read The Help because of Oprah's book club, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but The Help had a lot of issues. Oh no, it had a huge amount of issues. But The story of The Help was stolen from a maid who was never recognised, and then a white lady wrote the story and made a lot of money. But not a but in terms of like I don't think it was that bad but as in a but I read that book saw no problem with it and had to be educated on the problem with it because people wrote about it because it had been chosen by Oprah's book club like that could have I I was so thankful of oh okay I understand why this is problematic whereas I think sometimes books need notoriety for people to push back on them in a visceral way but the help had great outcomes because it was the last time Viola Davis played a maid. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Maid in doubt. She was like the mom. Like, why is Viola Davis always playing these? I don't know if you, you know? a huge uh, to to move away from literature because we're in that space now. A huge recommendation I have, film wise. On Amazon, obviously, it's all I can watch now, is Troop Zero. And Viola Davis is in that. And she is incredible. It is Troop Zero. Troop Zero is the one about the children, the little girl who basically loves space. Um, Okay, I haven't seen that or heard of that. So I'll put that on my list. Honestly, I think it's really slipped under the radar, but it is phenomenal truly one of the best films that I've watched in probably the last couple of years and that's including Oscar films in which this was most definitely not included really enjoyable so Troop Zero and one of my friends on social media recommended it so thank you Claire for recommending that uh, because I enjoyed it a huge amount so awesome okay cool so I'm gonna add well I don't know we'll see how it goes but that will be on my radar now Okay, guys, so reach out to us. Like, I would love to know what you're reading, what you're watching, how you're coping. Let us know how this podcast sounds. Hopefully it sounds good. And we can just bring you more content to get you through the lockdown. Yes, absolutely. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for always supporting. As usual, you can find us on Spotify, Acast, Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. If you do get a chance, if you could rate, review and subscribe, it would mean a huge amount to us we would really appreciate it especially during this lockdown period it means that people outside of our circles can also happen upon our podcasts we love you we hope you're staying safe we hope you're staying well and we will speak to you again soon bye bye